On July 4, 2116, the colonists of Mars voted for the president and members of the Assembly of the Martian Republic. Dr. Jane Starling of the Red Party had defeated Kent Roche of the Conservative Party by a slim margin. The Red Party also had won 27 of the 50 seats in the Martian Assembly, a unicameral body of representatives. Their duty was to pass legislation for the benefit and betterment of the 35,000 citizens of the New Republic. On August 1 of the same year, most of the citizens had jammed into the vast domed space in the Colony of Liberty, called the Liberty Commons, to witness the inauguration of the first Red Planet President. A national holiday had been called. Mothers and fathers brought their children. The old and feeble were wheeled into the commons to view history. The mood was festive, and Martians, even those who had opposed Starling's candidacy, were proud of what was about to happen. In the center of the common, a stage had been erected on which Starling would take the oath of office from retired police court judge Wilbur Sherwood, who, at 85, was one of the oldest citizens on Mars. A formal judiciary system with a Supreme Court and lower courts had not yet been established. Starling wanted to honor Sherwood's service by taking her oath from him, and since she was the first president of Mars, a presidential oath of office had to be crafted. Starling worked with the newly elected majority leader of the Assembly, Nicole Alomar, to write the words that the gathering throng would hear for the first time. As an orchestra played joyful music in the common, and people pushed their way forward to get a prime view of the stage, Dr. Jane Starling, soon to become President Starling, paced nervously in a tent behind the stage. By her side was her lover, Dante Pavisi, leader of the Workers' Alliance. I keep getting the feeling that I don't deserve the responsibility, Starling said. I feel my hair turning to gray by the minute. Bavisi laughed and responded, Great leaders always look good in gray. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Starling said, smiling as she smoothed the fabric on her black dress for the one hundredth time. You look great and will do fine, Bavisi reassured her. A young woman who was coordinating the event stepped into the tent to inform Starling that she had one minute to go and to listen for the beginning of the Martian fanfare a newly commissioned piece of music by a renowned Martian composer. The brass and choral fanfare erupted in the common, bringing cheers and applause from the gathered crowd. Starling took a sip of water and headed up to the stage. When she became visible, it was as if an explosion had occurred. The noise of cheering was deafening to Starling's ears. She smiled, waved, and attempted to keep her emotions in check. Judge Sherwood flashed her comforting smile and whispered to her to relax and take it all in. After five minutes of cheering, Judge Sherwood took the initiative and motioned for the crowd to calm down. The cheering finally subsided, and Sherwood asked Starling to join him at the microphone. There would be no oath on a Bible at Starling's inauguration. She was adamant about that one because of her core belief that religion had no place in government. 
She raised her right hand and repeated the words that Judge Sherwood recited. I, Jane Starling, have been duly elected as president by the people of the Martian Republic, promised to uphold the laws of the Republic and to serve the people so that there will be justice and prosperity for all. The crowd roared again after the final word, all, had reverberated through the speakers. Starling left the wave of affection wash over her. She scanned the faces of the crowd and wondered if she could fulfill her promise of justice and prosperity for all. She knew she would try with every fiber of her being, but there were political foes aligned against her, and many battles would likely be lost.